0: Took out all the plagues. We already kind of discussed not all the plagues in their details, as Chassilis does go into the different plagues and why each one was the way it was and how each one had that overall function of what we learned in the previous Marmar of the goal of breaking the Klippa of Mitzrayim, right? So we learned a bit about that general um, concept of the plagues. Now we're going to go to the splitting of the sea. And... The name of the mimer we're going to be learning, which we're going to be getting our copies shortly, is Az Yashir. And it's based off of the song that the Yiddins sang as a praise and a thanks to Hashem for saving them from the Egyptians and for splitting the sea specifically, for the miracle of splitting the sea. So the mimer explores a few questions and topics. The first main one is, what's the deal with the splitting of the sea? That's what we start off with. And the reason why that's actually a very big question is because of a Gemara, Tysfus, which I'll bring in a moment. But why did God split the sea? Like, from what you guys have learned and know, why did Hashem split the sea? Um, it's possible. That's what I see, the infile. It's repentance. possible. Okay. Okay. Challenge up ahead. Yeah. Well get ready. It's worth it, I promise. <laughs> I it's not in this. It it is. It is in there. You wanna pass me your book? I guess it's without the English. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Sheramalite. Mm-hmm. I think it's here. Wait, no, I think it. No, okay. I don't even know where it is right now. I'll find it. I'll find it in a moment once we get all the copies. I'll find it in a moment. I'll leave this here. Um, okay. Why did God split the sea? Yeah. Maybe it was too <coughs> to cross the Suez Canal. I don't know if it was the Suez Canal, but the Red Sea, whatever it is, we don't know exactly where it is. Okay. Um, but the Red Sea. There's actually, most of the opinions say that it's actually a, a senior by Saudi Arabia, actually. I'm not sure exactly what the name is, but um, not the Suez Canal, <laughs> but to cross the sea, right? That they should get to the other side. Why else would God uh, split the sea? What do you guys think? Is that Would that be the general consensus by everyone? Or do you think there might be another reason other than helping them get to the other side? Right, he could have made like boats or yeah. just like whew, made them fly, right? Split the sea specifically, which must have some significance for sure. Um, maybe it had to do with the fact um, how Naqshan went in with like complete faith in him and Hashem saw that. And... There was like some sort of test involved that God like kind of had them at the sea and then there was nowhere to go, right? Until someone went in, right? Why else would God split the sea? What else Maybe doing? to humble the Egyptians to, like, as one final crushing. Right. Also just, like, destroy them. Right. At the end of the day, the entire Egyptian army drowned in the sea, right? So it could say that it was to to drown the Egyptians in the sea, that they should be finished and that they should clearly see who, who, finally, who's the boss, right? I think that's, like, a clear miracle for, like, not just the people in, like, all the plagues and stuff, like, by the time the rest of the world heard about it, all the things were over. But, like, I feel like when someone's at, when the sea is splitting and it's like a sea that's nearby so many countries, that like that becomes more of a miracle that like more of the world knows. Yeah. There's a medrash that says that all of the waters of the entire sea split at that moment. Of like, so, the, 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 water, of the whole world. Yeah. And there's definitely this idea that yeah. the whole world knew about this miracle. Yeah. Right? That's why um, it was crazy that Amalek then attacked the Jews afterwards because right. they knew. Like just the power of the Jews God right. and,
1: and even, yet they came anyway, even
0: though they knew about it. And even Moshe's family came and met up with them after that. Right, so, right. Like, like, I mean, I feel yeah like that. that the whole world is like a yeah. miracle on, on a world large world scale. Yeah. What else? Okay. So first of all, these are all correct answers. <laughs> Um, these are absolutely all correct answers, and they can take us in all different directions. But there's a very interesting taispes in the Gemara, in Erovin, that says that the Jews, when they split, when they crossed the sea, they did not go from one end to the other. Has anyone heard this before? They did not go from one end to the other. They actually went from one side, and they emerged on the exact same side. You heard that before? Yeah like a U-shape, like that. Yeah. They didn't go to the other side. They went back here. And actually, if you look at the geography, which I'm terrible, at. I was going like, to try and show you, but I'm so bad at geography, I'm going to embarrass myself. But um, if you look at the, the whole story, we have it clearly in Rashi, that they were going towards Eretz Yisrael, right? Egypt, Eretz Yisrael, not very far, right? We share a, even today, like we share a border, right? Not very far away. It was actually supposed to be, I think it was a three-day journey, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty, like really nearby and it was pretty much straight and then as they're going 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 they get a command from Hashem to turn around and this is clearly seen in the pasuk and then Rashi explains why did Hashem tell them to turn around instead of just going straight to their destination the main reason that's brought is so that Pari should think that they're confused that they got lost and that maybe then he'll come and chase them which was Hashem's plan. Hashem, they were on a direct route to Israel and Hashem turned them around, took them, made them get stuck in front of a sea, which the other side of that sea was not Eretz Yisrael. So he took them to the edge of the sea, split the sea, they went inside the sea, the Egyptians followed, drowned, and they came out the exact same side and then proceeded to, to go on to their route to Eretz Yisrael, which ends up, we know, lasting forty years instead of, instead of three days. Then how did they get to Jordan inside? That, isn't that the way they came in? Okay, I'll. Allow. I'll allow. I think Gila, Tehila, all your other teachers okay. will know. I've tried. I really have. Like there's years where I would sit and I would look at the math, and I literally still don't understand how here is near Ben like I still don't understand like this area where I live it doesn't make sense geography just I think it's because I never did puzzles when I was a kid I don't know I never did puzzles either I like I just don't know (laughs) but all (laughs) from what I know is that it was a direct route a three-day route straight God told them to turn around when they turned around they ended up in front of a seat that's by then the Egyptians heard, oh, they're lost, they're wandering, they chased them. The Egyptians come behind them, in front of them is the Red Sea. God split the sea, not so that they could go to the other side to get to Israel, because Israel was there, mm-hmm. but that they went in, came out the same side, and then continued on their journey towards Israel. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what countries that's next to, I don't know. <laughs> um, so that kind of begs the question the main answer that we would give why did we. Split. Why did God split the sea so that they could get to the other side? Right. So, um, the second, and, and that would then negate that answer totally, right? Because they did not go to the other side. They literally came up the same end that they went in. And then the next answer, which is the most popular one, as Emma brought, is to destroy the Egyptians. Right. We know that they all drowned in the sea. They followed them inside. The Jews emerged safe, unharmed, and the Egyptians all drowned. And it says clearly in Oz in the pasuk in the Torah that the. That Hashem, that now the Egyptians will know that I am God. Thank you very much. Okay, yes, you're reminding me that. Okay, amazing. Okay, we'll, we'll go inside in a moment. It's Last year I didn't teach it because I was away, so it's possible it's not. In this book here? Yeah. It is in here? Yeah, did you find it? No, I don't think that we saw it. No, I don't think that it is, which is very interesting. Okay. That's fine. So we'll, so we'll do from these copies. So the next most obvious answer again would be that the Egyptians all drowned And that it's, that, that's how God wanted to punish them. And first of all, then that begs the question, well, why punish them that way? We know God could have destroyed the Egyptians in any which way. So why by drowning in the sea? And even further than that, it says the real reason why God did that to the Egyptians was so that they should know God, right? But there was not a single Egyptian remaining to actually know God because they were all dead. So what was so that also kind of isn't enough of an answer for the Alta Rebbe for why God would split the sea. And all of these other answers were correct as well, but they still beg the question: why in the way that it was done? Like why split a sea that we don't need to get to the other side, that you don't have to kill the Egyptians that way. You can let the world know that you are God in many other ways. Why specifically, getting the Jews in front of water, splitting it, having the Jews walk in? get safely out, and the Egyptians drown. And so what we're going to be learning in this Mimer is the Hasidic significance of the splitting of the sea as an essential preparation for the Jewish people before receiving the Tyra. Because we know that God didn't just take the Jews out of Egypt so they should be free, right? God took the Jews out of slavery so that they should be his slaves, so that we should then get the Tyra, and that we should then be, have the freedom to actually live in the image of God and be able to serve God and reflect him into the world right which is a different kind of freedom than what we usually think about when we think of freedom that was the freedom that they walked into and so the whole purpose of them leaving was that they could become a nation receive the Torah and become the Jewish people and what we're going to be learning is that the splitting of the sea the process the significance of the Jewish people walking through the sea the Egyptians drowning there was a, was an essential process they had to go through before receiving the Torah and we're going to discuss why that is so that's kind of the first um section that the mimer talks about then we're going to go into the az Yasher specifically because the az yasha gives us all of the hints and the story of the splitting of the sea where the jews are praising god with a song right um with a song where they detail the whole story of the splitting of the sea and the miracles that happen and the fate of the egyptians and so we're going to then look at the mimer here is called the power of music we're going to look at what's the significance of song specifically why did they sing a song there are not many songs at all in the tanakh there are very very few. There were a few songs um, I think Devora had a song the prophetess. I'm trying to remember the other songs that we have in the tira. Um, does anyone remember? Hm? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Miriam's song would, would that be Azyash would that not be Azyasha? Miriam's song would I think be Yashir, right? Because yeah, she took the woman and sang yeah, with them yeah. with the tambourines. What other songs do we have? <coughs> in, in, in the Tyre? Chumish? In, in Chemish, I, I don't know of much. Oh, I think there of might the be. Very end of the last book. You're right. Ha-Zinu. Ha-Zinu. Yeah, You're yeah. right. Yes, there's a song there. I think that's it. Other than that, I'm not sure. And then even in the in the prophets, we have a few prophets' songs, but like very few. Um, Shira Shirim. Yeah. is called the Song of Songs, but it's not it's, not like it's song but it, yeah. Um, It's not necessarily a song per se that was literally sung. This was sung by the Jewish people. So we're going to be talking about the power of music and the significance of song and why they specifically sang this and what that represents also on a Hasidic level. What does music represent? And then we're going to talk about um, the difference between the Levim and the Kohanim in the Besamekdash. Because when we talk about song, the... Kohanim had the job in the Besamekdash of dealing with the sacrifices and the korbanas. And the Levim, the Levites, were in charge of the singing. That's literally what their job was. They came and they would sing, um, or they would play musical instruments. So we're going to be learning about the difference between song... And Karbana between the Levien and the kaihanim. We're going to see where Maisha falls into all of that, as Maisha being a levian. where does Maisha, as the one who split the sea, falls in. Um, and then we're going to go, the end of the Mimer is going to take us to the words of Az Yashir itself and explain, based on everything we've learned, the deepest significance of a lot of the phrases that we say every day in the Az Yashir and what they were really praising, and what was really going on. So that's just a bit of the, of the flow of the Mimer and what we're going to be um what we're going to be discussing so hopefully you can remember that a little because it's gonna as you see it's gonna jump a little bit from topic and idea to to idea okay so i apologize i i thought this was in the book for sure and i thought that it had english but if it if it's not in the book with english it means that it i absolutely couldn't find it on the internet um with english although i haven't looked this yet so maybe i will check but i do remember looking there are a few that I could not find on the internet with English. This one doesn't even have a so I really hope you can follow along as much as you can. We're gonna be translating everything, and if you do get stuck on a word, please, please, please let me know, okay? And if, and if you're stuck with all of, if this looks just like scrabble to you or something, then you don't have to follow along inside, okay? So you do what works. You wanna pass it this way. This is really pretty, mm, <laughs> you. There you go. We have, I think we have too many that side. We have enough. Does anyone need another? Oh, you? Okay. (laughs) All right, you guys ready to go inside? Okay, so as you know, we start off with the Divra Maschil, with the opening verse of the Mimer, which is taken from a Pasuk. In this case, it's taken from next week's Parsha, Parsha's B'Shalach, the opening of the song, which we call Az Yashir, that they sang after the sea was split. So line one. Az Yashir Moishe, U Yisrael. Then Moishe and the Jewish people will sing Et Hashira azot this song, La Hashem to Hashem. the Yomaru, and they will say, lemar saying, Ashira la Hashem, we sing to Hashem, Kiga'ai Ga'a, because he is exalted beyond exaltedness. He uses the word twice, so he's beyond being exalted. Sus vay, the horse and its rider, regarding to the Egyptians. Rama Vayam, he raised up, he tossed <coughs> out in the sea. So, the significance of the wording of the song specifically, we're going to get back to all the way at the end after we understand what was going on with the splitting of the sea. So we're gonna to have to we're gonna put a pin in that. And now we have our question, our opening question for the Mimer, which is Hine Lahavin Inyan Kriyas Yamsov. We need to understand this whole idea of the splitting of the sea. Why did God split the sea? What was the purpose of it? And why was it necessary? And we're gonna start off with the question. The, which is not sourced? Brought the source is not brought here, but it is sourced in the Gemara. The haloi is it not? Lefi derech bnei Yisrael that according to the way of the Jewish people, me mitzrayim le eretz Yisrael, from Egypt to the land of Israel, lo Hayal lahem derech al hayam. They did not have the way. Did not include a sea. Okay, it was a land route. Eloshetsiva Hashem, but rather Hashem commanded them and they returned, and they encamped. This is when God commanded them to turn around, leave their route on dry land. Vagam, and we also know that not only A was the sea not on their way to Eretz Israel, B also, Vagam, we know, Avru etayam, They did not cross the sea from one side to the other. Elo rather. The same side that they went in. That's the same side that they went out. Okay, so they literally did a U shape like this. They went in the sea and they came out the same side. Okay, so the most common reason brought for why this is then, because we we can clearly say at this point, God did not cross the sea for them to get to the other side. God did not cross the sea because it was the route for them to get to Eretz Yisrael. So the most common idea that's brought... Is Hatam ksiv, the reason that God split the sea, even though they came out the other side is the Yedu Mitzrayim Kiani Hashem. That the Egyptians should know that I am Hashem. And we know that this Pasuk we understood slightly differently in the last mimer. we learned that the Yedu also means to break, and that we needed to break the klipa of mitzrayim and reveal the truth of Hashem there. But here it's the basic idea that the Egyptians should know that I am Hashem. But sorry, but we have a question on this explanation as well. We need to understand. The Haksiv, is it not written by Mayim Tsorehem that the water covered them, Echod and not one of them remained? That's brought in the Azyashia, in the Pasuk. That the water drowned them all, and there was not one Egyptian remaining. Again, there is a Medrash that Pare survived and ended up becoming the king of Ninve, uh, but that's a Midrash. The simple idea, the simple, simple understanding is that all of the Egyptians died. So how can you say? that the purpose of splitting the sea was that the Egyptians should know God. There were no Egyptians to know God. Okay? So now we're going to start with the answer. What the altar Rabbi does very often, he'll ask a question, he'll give us an answer in a sentence or two, which you're like, okay, sounds nice, don't really understand it, and then take an entire mimer to elaborate and open up that answer so that by the end of it, when we get back to it, we actually understand what it's saying. So now we're going to start getting to getting into the mimer. Why did God split the sea? Ela. Rather, ha'inyan, the idea of the splitting of the sea is, ki Mitraim, the v'chol adam the zman. There is an Egypt in every person at every place. This concept of leaving Egypt and even more so of passing through and the splitting of the sea exists in every person at every time. amra, and that's why, we are told, behold darvador, that in every single generation, chayav adam li'rais, a person is obligated to see himself, who as if he himself left Egypt. I think that's from Perkevas. Does someone want to correct me? It's from the seder. From the seder, like that's in from the haggadah. Yeah, we definitely say it there. I wonder. No, you're, it's not Perkevas. I think it is Perkevas. Where is I wonder where it's sourced from because it's one of the twelve sukkim, right? Yeah. Which one is it saying? Behold vadar. I mean, the whole darvadar. Where it's from? Yeah, I literally. Why uh, don't I don't do I? Like I I'm remembering quick all this, but I could be wrong. Okay, so yeah, let's okay. Yes, please, because <laughs> I get stuck on that. Like, okay, um, we should know it's one of the twelve sukkim, and I'm curious where what's the source <laughs> of it. The whole darvadar. And the idea here is that every single person should feel as if, in every generation, wherever he finds himself, even if he's not in the generation that left Egypt, as if he himself left Egypt. Where, where is on Pesachim? Pesachim? That's yeah. the Gemara. That's the source of it? Yeah, one second. Okay. Yeah, okay. 116. Okay, so it's from the Gemara. Interesting. That's actually very interesting to know. Um, that every person in every generation has to see himself as if he... Himself left Egypt, and I'm pretty sure that we do say it in the Haggadah as well. But I also, yeah. Okay. So we know this idea that there is an Egypt in, within every one of us in every generation that we have to leave. We see that from this verse that in every generation we have to see ourselves as if we left Egypt. And there's another verse. Sorry, let me just find my place here. And it also says, it also says in the Siddur. At the end of the siddur we have the Sheish schiris. We have the six remembrances, six things we have to remember every single day. And one of them is, Lamantiskar, that you have to remember, in order that you should remember, Et Yom Tzeitcha Me'eretz Mitzrayim, the day that you left Egypt, Kol Yemei all of the days of your life. That every day we need to remember that we, not that someone else, not that our ancestors, but that we ourselves left Egypt. So again, going back to this idea, there's in Egypt within every one of us, in every generation. And to add to this concept of the fact that we have to somehow ex- feel as if we ourselves left Egypt, which we are going to have to understand what's the significance of Egypt, what does it mean to leave Egypt for us to understand how we can possibly experience something that we did not physically experience. <coughs> to take it even further, it's brought in the Gemara of the Isa the Tisefta, it's brought Shetzarek liskor Gamken kriyas Yamsuf that just as we need to remember that we left Egypt every day and ex- feel as if we ourselves left Egypt, we also have to remember the splitting of the sea every single day. And now we're going to start getting into what does it mean that the sea split. So how can we feel like we left Egypt? We're going to have to talk about that. What does it mean to leave Egypt on a, in a spiritual way? For someone who's never actually left Egypt, what does that look like? And the focus here is going to be, it's brought, not only do we have to experience that we left Egypt, but that we experienced the splitting of the sea. Every day we need to remember the splitting of the sea. So there must be a significance to the splitting of the sea that has something that is relatable to every single one of us that we can remember and experience every day. So we're going to start to talk about now about the splitting of the sea. And before the altar is going to give us a clear answer we're going to go into different topics so now we're going to start going into some Hasidus and some kabbalah to get into the answer for what is the significance of the splitting of the sea so now we're going to basically take everything we learned which was pretty much connected one to the other until now the altar Abba held that for a lot longer than usual usually there's like one line that's sourced in the that's sourced in the pasuk and then we go straight into chassidus now we're going to put all of this aside all of these questions all of these verses and we're going to go into something else okay so next idea our sages say now i think this is actually from pergavis um <laughs> yeah pretty sure yes. this is pergavis yes thank you okay <laughs> this one's pergavis that the world stands on three things The world depends on three things Allah Taira, on the Taira, the Alha and on the service. We're going to see what that means, the Al Chasadim, and on acts of goodness and kindness. The world is reliant on these three pillars to keep it going and running and hold it up on the Taira, on service, Avaida, and on Gmilas Chasadim. So, what is Avaida? Taira, we know what Taira is, right? And we know that Taira is a blueprint of the world. And that the Torah keeps the world going. And that it's our way to know how to live. (laughs) Acts of goodness and kindness, right? The world depends on people looking out for others. We're going to focus on the middle one, which is least clear. What does it mean that the world depends on Avaida? What is Avaida? So it's brought that Avaida hain hain hakarbanais. Avaida is referring to the sacrifices that were brought in the Beis HaMikdash, which for us today as we're going to see, represents prayer because it's brought in the Gemara that when the sacrifices were nullified because we no longer had a Mizbeach and a Besamikdash, we started instead to daven to Hashem. So Avaida is used in reference to sacrifices and it's also used in reference to davening, to prayer. So what's the Karbanais? What's the significance of what happened with the Karbanais? We have spoken about this in different contexts. I think it was um, with Hanukkah a little bit. What happened when a Jew brought a carbon? There was a fire from above, Yared Al Gabayah Mizbeach, that descended onto the Mizbeach, and it's brought in the Zohar, Ariyah Da'achel Karbon, in that it was in the shape of a lion and it would come down and consume the carbon. So a Jew would come, he would bring his animal, it would be sacrificed in whatever way it had to be depending on what the sacrifice was burnt up in whatever way it had to be they would uh, the kohen would come and start a fire and then there would be a fire that literally descended from heaven the zohar says it descended in the shape in the form of a lion and would come and consume the carbon and that is how that you would know that his carbon had been accepted that his sacrifice had been accepted this was the physical process of the physical sacrifices in the physical base Hamikdash. but as we know there must be a significance there for us we don't have sacrifices today but this process still exists and this process exists now in the form of prayer korban comes from the word korban means a sacrifice karov karov means to bring close so the process of bringing the sacrifice is what brought us close to god and it says that they, they established prayer in, Lua, in the place of the korban, and that is how we now get close to God. So, Omisha um beis hamikdash. Since the hamikdash was destroyed, Tiknu Tfila har They established prayer in place of the sacrifices. Why? What's the connection between prayer and sacrifice? Anyone know? What's the connection? They have, there must be some connection if this is literally standing in the place the first, of the sacrifice. Yeah, as well as the were given That's right. And the, and the for was, you know, That's yeah. right. And we and we we remember the carbones as well when we first. when we daven. But why prayer? Why the process? That also, brings us closer to God. that also brings us closer. How? That there is also a place of like confession. There's also a place of sort of, like, not, not like, like of shuwa in itself of, like, it is, first of all, it is intrinsically, like, included in the prayer, when we do the, I just flew my free my mind. The word, yeah. a, a, a word? No, yeah. How, how do you call it? We're, spo- we're supposed to do it every day. No, Tachnun, tachnun. yes, yeah. okay. When we do Tachnun. Right. And, like, that is kind of like, we're doing the, the carbon. Right, right. That when we come for the carbon, we're saying, we're bringing this to you. Well, there were different carbonas for different yeah, things, yeah, but yeah. some of them were because we sinned, some of them because we were giving thanks and we do all of those things in words, in prayer, absolutely. We're going to look at um, literally the physical process that happened with the sacrifice happens spiritually in prayer. What happened physically with the sacrifice? A Jew would bring an animal, a physical kosher animal, right? And would kill the animal, it would no longer be alive, and it would be then consumed in a fire and go up towards Hashem. When we're praying, we have an animal that we're bringing to our prayer. What is that animal? Our animal soul, right? We have two souls. We have a godly soul, which is praying to God, and then we have this animal soul that we schlep along into our prayer too. And that animal that we schlep along, the idea is, What's the idea of sacrificing the animal? It doesn't mean to kill it, okay? And we're going to speak about this more at length in another Mimer of Adam Kiyakriv. But when we're bringing the animal along for for prayer, we're subjugating it. Because the animal does not want to pray. The animal soul has no interest in spiritual things, in lofty things, things that are beyond the here and the now. And we are... Not forcing it, but rather convincing it to come along to serve God. And by doing that, it's the idea that we're sacrificing the animal. The animal wants, the animal soul wants to be doing one thing, that's sacrificing those needs and desires and wishes to come along and pray to God. So that's the spiritual process of what was happening physically. Drew brought an animal, a physical animal, which represented his animal soul, and he sacrificed it to God. And we're doing the same thing, but in a more... Spiritual way, obviously, because we can't, we can no longer bring physical animals um, when we pray. So it says that since the temple was destroyed, they established prayer instead of the karbonis. Why? Dahainu, this means what's the connection between prayer and sacrifices. Line nine in the middle. Limsor Nafsho HaBahamis, to sacrifice, to give over his animal soul. That it should be consumed by a fire from above. What does fire represent? There was a physical fire in the time of the Beit that consumed a physical animal. Accepting it. (laughs) Accepting it. Why in the form of fire? What does fire represent according to Chassidus? And it goes back to awesome. and passion. passion, something that goes back to its source. What did you say? I said a lot of things. A lot of things. <laughs> that is true. Um, but if you say there's like a, there's a fire burning inside me. A love passion. A, nishama, a love, a passion, all these things. It's the love and the passion of the soul. Fire represents love. Just as fire is passionate and it's all-consuming and it's always rising up towards its source, right? So too, our love of God. So the significance of the animal being consumed by fire physically in the Beis HaMikdash when there were sacrifices is represented in prayer by our animal soul becoming consumed with the love of God. The Eish Mailah, this fire that came from above, Bechinat Ava Rabah, this tremendous love that God has for us that comes from above, the Isrusa Dele'ela, and an awakening that comes from above. We bring our, our animal. We bring it along for the ride of prayer. We subjugate it. We convince it to serve God, to pray to God, or at least to let us pray to God, right? And then as a response, God brings a fire from above his love that descends onto us and helps us to actually serve Hashem. And this is what happens when we pray. Okay, so the L'haven. We have to understand this idea, the altar is kind of saying now, this idea sounds nice, but what's the source for it? What's the source for the idea that actually this is what's going on when we pray? <laughs> how is this idea hinted to in our prayer? <laughs> this whole idea, how a fire descends from heaven, a fire of love that consumes us and that accepts, so to speak, our sacrifice, which is our animal soul. So the idea is the source of this concept, which is a Kabbalistic concept, this whole idea of tefillah being in the place of Karbonus, specifically because we have an animal soul that gets consumed by a fiery love for God. The source of this is, that it was established in the Shemona the prayer of Shemona right? Uh, the, the Amidah, right? Some people call it the Amidah. Lomar, to say all of the blessings, we say Baruch Ata Hashem. We finish off every single one of the blessings in Shpanasray with Baruch Atashem, and then whatever the blessing is. Baruch Atashem means literally blessed are you, God. The Hu masha kasuf. And this is what it's written: Baruch Hashem, blessed is God, Eloke Yisrael, the God of the Jews, Olam, from this world. The and until the next world. Okay, so let's just get a bit of context because we went into a whole nother idea here. We're going to start from the next sentence to tie this whole idea of the fact that prayer was established in the place of the sacrifices and that we see in our prayer this concept of Baruch HaTah Hashem, which we're going to see the significance of that, drawing from one world to the other. We're going to start being introduced to a concept, which I'm going to just give you the name, and then tomorrow we're going to elaborate on it, a Kabbalistic concept that's elaborated in the Hasidus called Alma de Iskassia and Alma de Isgalia. Okay? You have the words here, so I'm not going to write it on the board. On, oh my gosh, the numbers were cut off, but on, on line 12. Alma de It's written a little funny because it's an Aramaic term, which means the hidden world. Alma means world. Is de de Iskassia means hidden. The concealed world Alma de Iscalia means the revealed world, okay? These are Kabbalistic terms that we're going to elaborate and understand tomorrow. And then we're going to see the significance of what's actually going on when we pray, how we clearly see the process of first us bringing our animals, sacrificing our animal to God in the form of prayer, and then God responding with his love. And then we're going to see the significance of the splitting of the sea because we're going to see that one of these worlds represents, is represented by water. And one of these worlds is represented by dry land. Okay? So the significance of this, there being a sea, there being dry land, going from dry land into the sea, being covered by the sea. That whole story we're going to be looking at from a much deeper perspective. So we can see how we can relive that every day, even when it's not happening to us. So tomorrow we're going to learn about Alma de Alma de X. Ex- tie in this whole idea of sacrifices and prayer and how we see that process of the sacrifices playing out in our prayer and then we're going to take that back to the dry land and to the sea okay so it's taking us on a bit of a journey over here but um it will come a little bit clearer tomorrow please god any questions or comments on what we have said so far you you might be a little confused about where it's going because we literally stopped in the middle but (laughs) other than that the concepts that we discussed today are they are they clear yeah okay amazing so we will continue please god tomorrow tomorrow's already thursday right Mm -hmm. today's wednesday okay so so we'll finish then and then we'll continue in Hashem next week when it's actually okay